thanks for listening to the squad pod i'm emma and i'm Lindsay. we are two moms approaching this podcast just like we approach motherhood in our lives which is unprepared unplanned and unfiltered we are messy and have no idea what the heck we are doing but just figuring it out as we go if that's relatable to you keep listening Welcome to Squad Pod episode four. What, what? Episode four already? I can't believe it. (laughs) I'm Emma Olson. And I'm Lindsay Perkins. And we are going to reintroduce ourselves just in case this is the first episode that you're listening to. Um, And I, like I said, I'm Emma. I live in Minnesota. So I live outside of Plymouth, Minnesota, outside of the Twin Cities. I have a three-year-old daughter Carly and a 10 month old son Connor (laughs) Um, I'm a licensed esthetician I am a stay-at-home mom full-time and uh, Lindsay and I run an Etsy shop together and we are health and fitness coaches so we're doing like a lot of things (laughs) all Mm -hmm. at once Yep. and I'm Lindsay like I said I live in just south of Portland in Oregon so not as cold as Minnesota. I have mm-hmm. an eight-year-old son, Graham, and a five-year-old daughter, Reese. I am a part-time accountant, uh, used to be full-time, and like Emma said, health and wellness. We like everything, health and fitness, including athleisure. Um, so we pretty much are what I like to call renaissance women. I love you that. Know? We like to do so- it all. We're going to talk about a fun fact about each other ourselves, I guess. And then the meat of this episode is going to be about mental health as moms. And Mm -hmm. we'll share a little bit about our stories with mental health and the struggles and challenges that we've gone through. So hopefully it can be relatable to you. Um, Maybe have some tips and takeaways. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll start with a fun fact, which is actually fun fact because it applies to both of us. Um, But I got married on a cruise ship uh, to my husband in 2008, I think. (laughs) I gotta remember. 2008, (laughs) yes. 2008. Um, And I love travel and love cruises, so it just made sense for us. And I didn't know anybody else until I met Emma. And she said... Uh, Yeah, I was also married on a cruise ship. How wild is that? Like, what are the odds and and different times and years? I was married on a cruise ship in 2018. So literally 10 years years apart. (laughs) What? Crazy. I'm so old. I'm just kidding. (gasps) And we're Enneagram (gasps) 8. Oh my gosh. What? Okay. 8 is a special number. Yeah. It's also the infinity symbol. So... Wow. Okay. This is, wow. <laughs> wow. We're just having all these realizations with this fun fact. So yes. maybe you can give another fun fact since ours was shared sort of. Okay. So my fun fact is I still have a baby tooth. What? Did I show you that? <laughs> you did. You did show me that, but it's like still unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So I have a baby tooth. Um, it doesn't have a grown up tooth underneath it. So I will only u- lose it if it just happens to fall out it's no baby tooth to push it out 
So when that happens, I'll get an implant uh, or if the tooth dies, but it's, it's alive, kicking. Still kicking, huh? All right. Well, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever met anybody that still has a baby tooth. So fun facts. There we go. All right. All right. Do you want to start with your story with mental health or you want me to? I would like you to start, please. Okay. 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 So I had my daughter Carly in 2019 and I probably should have gotten help then for postpartum but I just I didn't um so I will start my story when I had my son Connor so in 2021 April I had um Connor and within the first three weeks of having Connor I knew that something was just off So, you know, the baby blues, like you just cry over everything or, you know, whatever. I definitely had those within the first two weeks, but then week three and week four, something just felt different. And I was going into Connor's four week appointment at his pediatrician's uh, and they have you fill out the survey for postpartum depression and anxiety. And literally I'm, I'm thinking when I'm looking at the sheet, I'm like, should I lie? I don't know Mm -hmm. why my first like instinct was to lie. (laughs) Everybody is. Everybody does on those forms. Those questions literally set you up to lie. Yeah. It's like there's some shame or guilt surrounding the real answers. And so Mm -hmm. I I decided to not lie. And um, I scored to the point where the doctor walked in and she's like, how's everything with Connor? And I'm like, everything's great with Connor. Not everything's great with me. And she's like, okay, let's talk about it. And so, um, I reached out for help pretty early on. I mean, that's pretty early for postpartum, but um, I can say that my warning signs or the signs that I realized that something was different was my anxiety was presenting as rage. And Mm. so there would be things that would set me off that would be triggering for me that shouldn't necessarily like cause such a like reaction, Mm -hmm. but I was like seeing red you know, mm-hmm. and, and taking that out on, on my husband for sure. And I just knew that that wasn't actually, I should say that I should probably have been on medication for my entire life. Like for mm-hmm. most of my life, I, that's how I present in most situations is I just get angry. Just like mm-hmm. I see red, literally that's all I see. And um, so I should have seeked help just even before I I had a became a mom um but during postpartum it just really presented itself and I was actually talking to my sister today about this because she's actually a therapist and so is her husband and they actually own a clinic together in Maine so they it's pretty cool they like work together and Mm -hmm. they're just the best power power couple um but she was saying that postpartum depression and anxiety actually presents in men as well and I and I said to her that's interesting for me because in my head I think that postpartum um, depression and anxiety happens when there's like a chemical change with your hormones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to hear that men are affected significantly uh, it shows that your environment has Mm -hmm. such uh, uh, can have such an effect on your mental health as well Mm -hmm. yeah and so I thought that was important to talk about because I think that for the men out there too Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily have like the same support that maybe the women get but maybe we need to as well (laughs) 
sense. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever heard about that. And I think it probably, you know, like a lot of women too, maybe goes undiagnosed because people don't either realize what's happening or they don't want the stigma or they don't want to ask for help. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's interesting that it does happen to men too. And it's environmentally driven and it just shows that we definitely need to keep talking about it and making it more, you know, normalize it because it's, it's real. It happens to people, uh, yeah. you know, men and women, men and women. Yeah. And, and there was a, a moment. So right before I went in for the appointment, I was, I, I wasn't, so I realized that not only was it presenting as rage, but I was not able to function normally in my life. Like I couldn't, if I opened the refrigerator, I was overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed by thinking of like, we need to go grocery shopping or trying to feed all of like me, myself, all of this, um, coming up with meals, like the food. And so I just wasn't eating. Like I was feeding my daughter, but I wasn't eating. And then when the house would run low with food, I'm like, I don't want to go to the grocery store. Like the thought of going to the grocery store was so overwhelming to me. So I I felt, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the grocery store. So Jamie took Carly and Connor in the car. I went by myself because I thought I'll feel less overwhelmed. So I go in, I had on my list, I was going to make chicken salad because it's like super easy, right? Mm -hmm. Chicken, mayonnaise, whatever. No mustard in my chicken salad, by the way. <laughs> no That's another mustard. time. Another time. <laughs> yes. Um, and I, for 15 minutes, stared at the chicken salad section. Like, people kept walking past me. It was pretty busy in there. But I, first of all, there's a million different kinds of chicken salad cans, which <laughs> didn't realize. But it was so, it was like in, in water, in oil, rib meat. Like, there's so many options. And I had a cart full of food. I literally sit, stood there for 15 minutes and I called Jamie and I said, you need to come pick me up. I was so overwhelmed and I felt like I was drowning and I got in the car. He's like, where are the groceries? I'm like, I can't be here. Like mm-hmm. I need help. Mm-hmm. And so that's like when I realized that something was a bit off and um, I did go talk to my doctor. So I recommend if you are someone who is maybe feeling, if you hear anything um, during this podcast where you can relate to, or maybe you're, you're in the thick of it, um, ask, you can ask for help in so many different ways. For me, I had a, uh, my postpartum doctor uh, or my prenatal doctor, like I had a really great relationship with her. And so I reached out to her and um, I have been on medication ever since. And we will adjust my medication when I'm a year postpartum. Mm-hmm. as well. So um, that's kind of my story on how I, it started. Mm-hmm. And right. I'll let you tell yours. And then we can kind of go into like, update where we are now. Okay, yeah. I was just thinking, yeah, we're not I mean, we're not medical professionals, obviously, we're just trying to talk about our experience. And hopefully, you know, if anything is relatable to you, that maybe you can identify and, um, you know, realize that there is something that could be going on versus just like dealing with it. So I'm the queen of just handling it, right? I don't like to ask for help or anything like that. And actually, my story is interesting. So I, Reese, you know, is five, my second, my first, Graham, he's eight, and I don't think I had postpartum depression at all. 
then I had Reese and she was just a tough baby. Like she would wake up in the middle of the night. She would cry and scream. I would feed her. She would throw up immediately, like all over me, all over the floor. And then she would cry. And so I would literally be pacing around with her or feeding her or cleaning up vomit for like two hours in the middle of the night while my husband was sleeping. And I felt bad because he had to go to work, but I was like also pissed because he was asleep. (laughs) And so um, like, that's kind of how like I kind of started to realize that that was something, but I just, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just tired and, you know, she's difficult and it's hard and, you know, and so like, that was kind of the first like thought, but I never actually related it to postpartum depression. Um, and like, then it really, I think I was un- like, sorry, this is all over the place, but I think I was undiagnosed with postpartum depression with her. And I didn't really realize it, but carried it for probably three years before I kind of um, got triggered again with the pandemic and my kids being home all the time and trying to work from home and, you know, do homeschool with my son and also deal with a toddler that needs me. Um, I started like, Emma, I started getting angry. Like I was so angry at everything and like I would yell and then I would be so upset that I yelled. And I was like, why am I so angry? Like, why is my response anger and rage versus like, take a deep breath and, you know, figure this out. I just felt so overwhelmed and I would like have to work late at night to make up my hours because, you know, homeschool is not for the faint of heart, um, (laughs) especially with another kid running around. And like, I would just sit at my computer, like while everyone else is asleep and I would just cry. And I was like, Mm. I would just cry and cry. And I'm like, I don't, I cry when I'm angry more than anything else. Um, but this was actually sadness, right? So I was like, what is going on? And it wasn't until Emma actually opened up in our group chat and started talking about her experience that I was like, you know, (laughs) I feel so much of what you feel and the things like the way that you're responding and the way that you are reacting like that. I feel that like a hundred percent feel that. And I didn't have the anxiety side of it, but I definitely like acknowledged that I had the depression side of it just everything felt blah. Like, I just feel like I, you know, skim the surface of every single day and I get through every day and I feel blah, except anger. Like, so my only feelings were nothing or anger and I didn't Mm. like that at all. So, um, that was kind of like, it was definitely undiagnosed for a couple of years and then it got re-triggered with the pandemic. And then that's where we were, um, like in 2020. So that gets you to the beginning of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, again, it's like the, you just don't know what's going to trigger it. Like I was, um, when I was talking to my doctor about going on um, antidepressants, she was saying that the, she's like, I'm going to recommend this antidepressant. I was actually on it when my husband passed away. And she's like, you just, you could be, everything could be going well, and then something can set it off. And, you know, that happens. And so I think that, like you said at the beginning, normalizing that, sometimes we struggle and Mm -hmm. what I have learned is that most people struggle in silence or it's not talked about um and I'm not one during during Carly's postpartum experience I was one that was like comparing myself to other people on social media Um, Mm -hmm. like their kids, like they would show up in all white on a white couch with white, you know, their kids wearing white. And I like, who wears white? (laughs) I know. I'm like, what is happening? And then I 
can't get matching socks on my child right Mm -hmm. and so then I'm like thinking I'm just the worst mother ever like how are they wearing white I can't even have them in black you know (laughs) what is happening yeah um and so I think there's a social media piece to it where I don't think that people talk about it enough or there's some shame around it and so when I did start talking about it on social media um and sharing this like this is my experience I was overwhelmed by the amount of squad members that came forward and were like I've been on this for this long or I um, have been working with a herbalist an herbalist um, Mm -hmm. you know and going different routes but so many of us struggle with mental health um, Mm -hmm. and mental health is health right Mm -hmm. like without that nothing else matters really yeah agreed and I think it's interesting um the social media aspect, because it can be like, you can, you can pick and choose. And it's funny, like how the algorithm works too, is like for you at first, you were comparing these people that are showing their highlight reel. And for me, when I actually started paying attention to it, because you had that conversation with us, I actually started seeing more support for mental Mm. health and support for moms or, you know, other people that were going through struggles and, you know, things that they're like common symptoms or signs that you might be struggling that I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, am I, you know, like I just started seeing this and like, I'm not trying to diagnose myself, but I was like, this, you know, this hits home, this relates to me. I'm like, okay, okay. So I I got a positive feedback from social media of like, once I started looking at it, being like, okay, you know, I'm not alone. This isn't something shameful. And I don't talk about it very much because I am like one of those people that keeps some things like close to the cuff, but obviously it's important to share you know, about our experiences and, you know, make it normalize it. Um, But it's just, it's nice to know, I guess, in a way that you're among other women that have gone through the same thing. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that the coolest part is we get to have these tough conversations um, and recognize that even if you're not a mom, like there are people during this pandemic who they were laid off from their jobs or they had to file bankruptcy or like there are big life things that have happened Mm -hmm. and um, having this experience of having a new baby during the pandemic, you know, there's just a lot of heightened things. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, you're not alone in that. And Mm -hmm we searched for help right Mm -hmm. um but there are so many other ways that you can do that Mm -hmm. yeah for sure I think the hardest part for me was just like opening up to talk to Jared about it and just you know like explaining to him and I think he understood because obviously he he felt the brunt of my anger just like Jamie (laughs) probably um and so I think just like starting even if you I mean, depending on where you want to go, even if you're not ready to talk to, or maybe it's easier to talk to somebody that's not related to you, like a physician or something, you know, talking about it, whether that's your friends, your squad, your husband, your spouse. Um, I think that's like, that was the, the gateway, you know, like the opening moment, like to say, okay, like I'm recognizing this. Maybe I should stop suffering in silence. Maybe I should talk about it. And <laughs> even just that, like, just like getting it out there provides like a little bit of relief off the top of that, like everything that you're holding in, you know, cause moms, we try to hold it, you know, we try to hold it all in. We try to hold everything up. We try, you know, we get, you know, we are pretty much the ones that make everything run, whether or not people want to admit that. And I know there are some stay at home dads and that would be the opposite, you know, but we don't get recognition for how much 
goes into that. Like it's a different mental pressure, you know, than it is to go to work and come home. Like there's, you know, I don't know about you, but my kids talk from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep. So there's like, <laughs> like you don't realize how much mentally and emotionally that drains you until it's quiet. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second. What? Like, don't talk. Nobody talk. <laughs> yeah. And and I find, so I've been on this medication since May, the beginning or mid-May of 2021. And I am feeling like I need to get an either a new prescription or um, it adjusted because I'm finding myself feeling moments of rage again. Um, mm-hmm. And I am feeling the overwhelm where like right before we started to record this, like Carly is just... Just like she's just turned three, like she's a a three-nager, like that all's happening. But I feel like there are moments where I just want to like, and I do just like lay on the floor and cry and like, Mm -hmm. just do whatever you want. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't have it in me. Like I'm just so overtouched, overwhelmed, um, overstimulated. And I know Mm -hmm. like I struggle with thinking, is this just, is this just being a mom? Like, is Mm -hmm. this just because I have two kids that are young or is mm-hmm. it because I can't, like, I need some extra support? And so um, mm-hmm. I did recognize that once I did go on medication and I waited for that adjustment period because there was an adjustment period before the medication actually started to um, work or do the do whatever. Um, I remember sitting in the back of the car while Jamie was driving and, like, looking out the window and just enjoying the drive we were going Mm. to the zoo and I remember looking like not thinking not having these like spiraling thoughts of like okay once we get there then we have to do this like all of these my head just like never stops with the anxiety and Mm -hmm. I just looked at the window and I was like Jamie this is how you live your life he's like what (laughs) like Jamie doesn't have anxiety like I do I'm Mm -hmm. like you can just and it, it I started to understand what he goes through because I can't imagine being my partner (laughs) because yeah we go to like go to the zoo and I'm literally a nightmare until we get there and then Mm -hmm. like I just I can't enjoy anything and I'm Mm -hmm. getting back to that um and I know I do struggle with some seasonal depression I was diagnosed with seasonal depression and so I know that the weather and like not having the vitamin d and all of that does really affect my mental health so I keep Mm -hmm. that into consideration but Mm -hmm. I just want to keep in mind that there might be moments where like the, whatever you choose to do, you might need to talk to your doctor or whoever to like shift. Um, Also getting a therapist and like talk therapy Mm -hmm. is, is so, so helpful. Can't recommend Mm -hmm. that enough as well, because something that my sister explained to me was when you are, so say, you know, like me, I'm on medication, but if you, if I'm also talking with the therapist, I can understand what to do when I am triggered Mm -hmm. so that I can come up with coping skills so that if I do decide to not be on medication one day or things are changed, that when Mm -hmm. I do feel the physical effects of the anxiety or depression and I want to, my initial response is to go into that anger, right, reaction, Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. learn how to calm my body and how to cope and how to go, you know, channel Mm -hmm. that. And so I can I would recommend that as well yeah and I think too you know it's like um you know there's lots of options like we said medication is one option but you also have to continue to do the the work for yourself you know like as health and wellness coaches we do a lot of personal development which I think 
you know, that helps bring to light a lot of stuff, like things that, you know, maybe you need to work on. Um, for me, you know, like recognizing some of my triggers, I guess the other thing that I realized after the fact, you know, was like, after I realized what was going on, was like, I didn't even want to take my kids outside to do anything. Like, I didn't want to take them anywhere. I was like, I'm fine just hanging out at the house. Like, we would just, like, for a while there, we would just hang out at home. They would have screen time, whatever. We would play. Um, but now it's like, oh, we can go outside. Like, I like I felt like I was an agoraphobe for some time. Like, I didn't want to go outside. Not even my backyard. I'm like, I just don't want to go. But now I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go outside. Um but I think, yeah, like just remembering to, it's a constant, you know, job to work on yourself. And, um, you know, part of, part of that too, besides, you know, asking for help with therapist medication is, you know, like moving your body daily is such an easy, like it's a free way to provide stress relief. I know, like I said, I don't really deal with a lot of anxiety, but sometimes work gives me that. And when I start to get overwhelmed, like I just, I have to leave my desk and I usually go outside or I ride my bike or something, because like for me, that helps move past that versus, you know, some other, um, coping mechanism, but it's just, you have to, like, it takes a long time. You're always a work in process of what's going to help you and what's a trigger. Like I said, the different things can trigger and different things can help you. Um, but I think it's just important to know that, you know, it could happen to anybody at any time. I think, I think it's fair to say, especially with the pandemic and what everyone's dealing that, you know, I think everybody probably suffers from, you know, some sort of mental health response or trigger or something at some point in their life. And it's not, and sometimes it's not debilitating. Sometimes it's just, you know, a blip or whatever, and that's fine. But it's safe to say that I think everybody has struggles, no matter who they are, you know, there's nobody that lives a perfect, even keel life, you know, that's happy all the time. And if they are, you know, great for them, but I haven't met that person yet. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And, and there's something called moving meditation, which Hmm. I think is sounds like to what you're saying. It's like, the runner's high or, or mm-hmm. that feeling you like the, you release dope, dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, release endorphin? Dopamine. Yeah. Dopamine, endorphins. endorphins I, don't I don't know. know. Same, so, same. We're not medical professionals. Like I said, <laughs> well, Elwood said, if yeah. you work out, you release yeah. endorphins. So we're going to go endorphins with that. Make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and so that does get released when you exercise and Um, In addition to that, your gut is your second brain and what you consume matters. And when I started medication, my doctor said, cut out processed foods, eliminate Mm. processed foods. And I did that. And now that I've incorporated processed foods back into my life, like I can feel that. So Mm -hmm. maybe instead, maybe I'm just thinking about this now, um, maybe I'll talk (laughs) to my doctor and be like, do I go first, go back to eliminating processed foods and see what that does to my mental health and that correlation before we look at adjusting. Um, But processed foods and your Mm -hmm. gut and your digestive system, all of that plays Mm -hmm. such a role in your mental health and your mental state. Agreed. I think that's also not a common topic or something that people bring up often, but you know, you have to look at your, again, environment, right? If you're feeding your mind and your body junk, that's what you're going to process is junk, you know, like you're going to have, like, you're not going to feel good. And I think like Jared and I have this conversation all the time. Like I don't eat perfectly. I mean, I eat processed foods too. I, you know, YOLO a little bit, but you know, I think a lot of people that are, you know, that's what they were growing up with. They have a lot of processed foods, junk food, like they don't understand that they could feel better if they ate differently. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's just their norm, you know, and I, you know, I noticed like I've tried, like I play with my, uh, nutrition a lot just to kind of see, cut out things that don't make me feel good. Like I 
have stuff that definitely doesn't sit well with me and you, you, you make a difference, you know, like you eat something you're like, Oh, it was really good at the moment, but now I feel like crap. Like mm-hmm. it's the same, you know, it's the same thing, you know, garbage in garbage out. So it definitely plays a role for sure. Yeah. So just being intentional with that, figuring out what makes you feel your best, what gives you energy, what makes you have this like clear mind instead of waking up in the morning groggy and um, mm-hmm. sleep, sleep. Like you were saying, uh, when you were figuring out, af- you know, after Reese, you were just so tired and um, sleep de- sleep deprivation is so real. And that's mm-hmm. another thing you, you're trying to figure out, am I just sleep deprived or is there something mm-hmm. deeper? And um, navigating that is not easy to to even acknowledge like what's happening yeah agreed I actually think that I blamed so much on sleep deprivation I feel like even now eight years into parenting I don't feel like I get a good night's sleep because like Reese climbs into our bed every single night she's got like an internal clock and last night it was so cold she was like literally like glued to my side <laughs> so I like woke up every hour since 145 and I'm like So I definitely attributed a lot of the stress and like short temper to sleep deprivation. Cause I'm like, I'm just tired. And I've been, you know, like there's no way to make up your lost sleep. Right. So like if I'm eight years in a deficit, (laughs) like, you know, there's no, there's no coming back from that, you know, (laughs) like there's coping mechanisms, but you know, you can't just caffeinate the whole way. Like that's not good for it. So you know, it's yeah, well, and then that to that it. point too, looking at your caffeine intake, like there are mm-hmm. so many things that you can do to just figure out like, am I and having a lot of anxious things like my sister doesn't drink coffee because of her not I think she just doesn't like it anyways, but she explains what that, like, hold, hold, the know. Hold, the I know. hold the phone, hold the phone, hold the phone. I Melanie, come on. Her husband does. Justin. Okay. Well, Melanie, I made a reel that's going to be dedicated to you. So just you wait for it. <laughs> she drinks tea. Yeah. But yeah, she doesn't drink coffee, coffee either. Because of, I think it's all, I would have to ask her about, um, but it does play a role in your anxiety, you know, for sure. It's that's an just, that's one of those things that I'm just, I understand, but <laughs> like I said, there's gotta be some balance, right? Like, okay, there's gotta be a balance between like, you know, I think it's fine. I'm, I mean, yes, experiment with what helps you, but coffee is just, I don't drink a ton, but I, it's necessary on the yeah. daily. So I yeah, have a, at least a cup a day. Yeah. I actually, I think too, like during the pandemic, I was drinking a lot more coffee. So like in 2020, and then I stopped because I was like, that's probably not a good idea. And that's helped to some too, to cut back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think the last point I want to make is, you know, I think a lot of it, you don't realize, you know, I think the conversation I've had with my husband a lot is, you know, kids are different and there's really no comparing it to other kids. But I honestly feel like my kids are more difficult than some (laughs) just because like, like, I think they're, they're very smart. I know everybody says that they're very smart, but they literally, like I said, talk from the minute they wake up until the minute they go to sleep and they will argue and debate everything you say like to the point where it is exhausting, like mentally it's exhausting. And so I think, you know, environmentally, I'm just like set up to have a challenge every single day and that's tough, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's that point where it's like, you got to ask for help at some point to get relief from that. Um, and I didn't really know that that, like I didn't have any validation or, you know, uh, you know, confirmation that that was the case until my sister-in-law and I were hanging out with their kids, cousins. And she's like, my kids are exhausted 
when we're done playing because of your kids. <laughs> and I was like, really? She's like, yeah. She's like, they just go nonstop. And she's like, so my kids are wiped out. And I'm like, and then my kids are charged, right? So then they're even more up and excited till the end of the day. So they like feed off of people and other people get drained from them. So I'm like, I just feel like I have this extra challenge every single day with their energy. Yeah, (laughs) their temperaments. I mean, we can do a whole talk on temperaments and how it's like so innate in kids. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you definitely have kiddos who are high (laughs) functioning and high energy. And it's it's a beautiful thing. But mentally, it's 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 exhausting. Yeah, I always say their personalities are going to serve them in the long run. But right now, they're very hard to parent. (laughs) Yes. Which is fine, but also exhausting on top of the sleep deprivation. So, you know, we're just digging a hole here. (laughs) Yeah, Because you would think that kids that are high functioning, high energy would want to sleep. But it's Mm. found that it's usually the opposite. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Yeah. My son actually like slept over my parents the other night and he woke up and was awake between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Oh, wow. So, needless to say, they were all tired yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they're like, bye, have fun at your parents' house. <laughs> yep, bye. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, we can, uh, I'll let you go now. <laughs> oh, stop, stop. <laughs> and if you don't know what she's talking about, go back and listen to episode three, please. <laughs> yeah, we will um, We'll release a shirt that on the back will say, I'll let you go now. <laughs> Let people see it when you walk away. <laughs> Ooh, I like that actually. Um, yeah. So hopefully, you know, just us talking about our experience and, you know, things we've gone through just normalized, or maybe you recognize something where you picked up on something that you're like, oh, okay, that kind of relates to me. You know, we hope that that was helpful and that, you know, if you need someone to talk to, obviously we're not medical professionals, but we will always be a listening ear, um, especially for our squad. So yeah, we definitely will not be giving you a medical advice, but we will yeah. listen to you and mm-hmm. um, please, please inbox us. We are here. Yeah. Um, and let us know if what type of topics you want us to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like this style or we can, we're going to do what you guys want to hear and what's yeah. fun for us to record. <laughs> We're just trying to figure it out, just like motherhood, just like parenting, you know, like we're just, we're just trying to figure it out as we go. Episode four. So it's been a, it's been a chocolate box so far, right? Yeah. You never know exactly. what you're going to get. <laughs> it's a mixed bag of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I like chocolate better, you know, but that's okay. All right. Chocolate covered nuts. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm down with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love y'all. Until next time, squad. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to share it with your squad or better yet, share it on social media and tag us so we can personally thank you for being a member of the squad. Tune in next time for more unprepared, unplanned, and unfiltered motherhood moments.